turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read one verse of scripture and then you can be seated. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about a shielded anointing. I talked to you this morning about your vessel being flexible because God is going to pour out a new wine in this place and your old wineskin won't hold the new wine. Now there is something more important tonight that I want to get to you and that is this. As we look into Paul writing to the church in chapter 6 of Ephesians, he talks to us about arming ourselves for the battle. He says to strengthen yourselves in the Lord and in the power which His supreme might imparts. And then he tells us to put on the armor. The whole armor of God. Now, I want to stop here for a minute and tell you when Paul speaks of, above all, taking the shield of faith, that did not mean that the shield was the most important part of that armor. Hear me right now. Paul wanted us to understand all of the armor is necessary to make it every day. When you get up in the morning, you need to start at your head and go clear to your feet and put on the whole armor of God. But don't you walk out that door without the shield of faith in your hand. As I begin to think about what the Lord would have us to have this evening, I heard the Spirit of the Lord saying, Tell my people it is not the hour in which they must be defensive, but it is the hour in which they must become offensive. Now that doesn't mean you get to offend everybody. Amen. I want you to realize tonight that we cannot sit back and let the fight come to us. The Word of God tells us Jesus told Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if you got any gates around your house that move, I'd like to see them. Gates don't move. But I do want to tell you that gates can either keep something in 
or keep something out. And I want you to know that you've got sons and daughters, neighbors and friends, mothers and dads that are destined for hell if somebody doesn't do something about it. And that God is calling the church in this last day. And I do believe it is the last day. God is calling this church in the last hour to not sit by and back and wait for them to come through the door. But I hear the Spirit calling to say, rise up, almighty army. Pick up the shield of faith. And make your way toward the gates of hell. And take back what belongs to you. I find myself at times feeling as though I become too laid back in my approach in the kingdom. I find myself at times feeling as though it's going to be all right. We'll just rock on here until Jesus comes. And then I think about those that I love, those that I care about. And there's something inside me that rises up to say, I cannot in clean conscience lay down my head without somehow pursuing some lost soul that needs God. Now, in case you don't realize it, being a spiritual and godly man or woman in this generation is a war that's unceasing. Some of you sit here tonight in frustration. You brought your children up in the church. You tried to teach them the ways of God. And when they got older, they lost their minds. Come on. And you sit here tonight frustrated. And it's easy in those moments to say, well, it's their decision. I've got to let them do what they want to do. Oh, no, you don't. Come on, the Word of God still said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Come on, I've come to tell somebody hell is no match for a praying saint of God. Hell is no match for a praying church. Come on, somebody. Hell is no match for a people that are make up your mind. I'm coming to get what belongs to me. And you're not. Oh, hallelujah. Thomas Manton said, a Christian's life is a warfare. And we cannot discharge the duties of it without a battle or conflict. We must fight for the good that we would do. They that think this unnecessary scarcely know what Christianity is. I want to tell you there are three primary battlegrounds that will require our vigilance. They are the world, the flesh, 
and the devil. Those are your adversaries. You must be aware of your adversary. And you must understand that it won't take care of itself. Amen. Our faith is crucial in the battle that we carry out on a daily basis. That's why Paul said, the shield of Temptations arise in the path of every man who is called of the Lord. Temptations can drive us to our knees in prayer so that we may gain help and comfort from the Lord in the midst of those battles. Temptations are necessary because it tempers the edge of pride from us being proud of what we have or conceited of more that we have. Temptation helps conform us to the image of Jesus Christ because as He was tempted, we will be tempted. Just stay with me a minute. The Bible said no disciple is above his teacher. Don't you think for one moment that temptation, you are going to escape temptation. Temptation brings patience to us. We can be fierce and severe on the failings of others. But when we are brought to mind that those same temptations could capsize our own souls, we come to the realization that we must have compassion upon those who have fallen prey to their temptation. There is a great strength. I cannot stress to you enough in the last few weeks perhaps months of my life I've been called to understand that God is ushering the church into a time that will test where we are spiritually and it will be a time that will require more of us than a Wednesday night, Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night relationship. God is ushering us in, and I said God is doing it. We are being ushered into a time where we will find out if we truly are the army of the Lord or if we're just simply someone that is sitting by and letting the world go by. I want to tell you tonight that nobody is going to fight this war for you. That as a child of God, if you don't fight, you're going to die. And if you don't fight, your children are going to be lost. 
If you don't fight, your marriage is going to suffer. Come on, I'm going to preach here in just a minute. If you don't fight, you will find no place of peace. If you don't fight, you will find no place of joy. I am convinced tonight that God is ushering you and me into a place where we're going to, we're going to have to rise up in this hour and understand that the only place where we're going to get strength is in the battle. You know, I've been around this a few days. And I've experienced, and you've experienced, those people that are willing to let somebody else do the fighting. But my mind goes back to Israel. The Bible said they were about to enter into the promised land. And there were a couple of tribes that decided, I'll tell you what, we're just going to hang back here and you go ahead and take the promised land. We'll just be content to stay back here. But the man of God said, wait just a minute. You can have this land, but you're not going to get it without a fight. Come on, somebody. I wish this church would understand. We're going to have revival. We're going to have a move of the Holy Ghost. We're going to see miracle signs and wonders like never before. But it, listen to me. You cannot sit back and rest on your laurels of success and just say, I'll be content to just stay right here. You go ahead and fight. You go ahead. No, no. If you get your promise, it will be because you stepped on the battlefield with your brother. You stepped on the battlefield with your sister and you made up your mind, I'll fight to the death. I am not content to let somebody go down alone. I won't let my brother die. I won't let my sister die. Ah, hallelujah. I won't let one lost soul go to hell that I can have something to do with seeing them saved. Come on, somebody help me praise him just a minute. You may not enjoy it when it bears down on you. But after the fact, you'll understand that God was working out things in your own life. Four times in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul uses the word stand or withstand, which has the same root in the Greek. In 11 and 13 and 14, he used it in a way that helps us to understand, to know that spiritual warring is a great resistance. In 4 and 27 of Ephesians, this is what he says. Neither give place to the devil. Listen, you cannot afford to give place to the devil 
in your life. He does not just give us that instruction without any parameters. Paul is always the teacher. And he tells the church exactly how they're not to give place to the devil. This is what he says. Wherefore putting away. Everybody say put it away. Putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor. Oh man. That's not a popular word today. I'd rather steal the other guys than have to work. Oh, you're not going to help me now. He said, rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give him that needeth. Now, I realize that Paul's little list here is is not totally inclusive, but he said, listen, there's some things that you're going to have to put out of your life if you're going to have a successful battle. You're going to have to put away lying. You're going to have... Oh, God, I just felt a little quickening in the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to put away lying to yourself. And you're going to have to put away lying to others. Come on. You need to quit telling yourself you're all right when you know you're not all right. Come on. You need to be liberated from some things in your flesh. You need to lay them aside. And you need to quit telling yourself, well, I'm better than them. Come on. I'm not as bad as they are. Yeah, you're not going to help me right now. Listen to me. God is calling you to lay down. Quit lying to yourself. Bring yourself in the presence of the Lord and ask God to put his x-ray machine on you and to search you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and say, God, don't let there be anything in me that would keep you from being able to use me to do battle in this hour. Lying. Excessive anger. Stealing. Stealing. You know what stealing is? Stealing's taking something from someone else that doesn't belong to you. You know what you do when you steal the results of my prayer? You know what, if pastor was here, what he'd be saying right now? Can you hear that? When you, when I pray for God to do something 
or you pray for God to do something and you haven't prayed and I've prayed and God answers and you take it if you've prayed and I haven't prayed and I take it we've got to bring our flesh under subjection to understand that if you get blessed I get blessed and if I get blessed you get blessed but the reason we all get blessed is because we're all on the same team we're all praying with the same purpose we're all praying with the same commitment we're all worshiping with the same desire You be seated. The devil will use every trick, every wile, every deception and tool that he can to get us to fall. We've been filled with the Spirit, but there's also a responsibility. A personal responsibility to mortify the flesh and not give it any room to lead us into sinful practices. Colossians 3 and 5 Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness Inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. And in Romans chapter 6 and verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness, unrighteousness, unto sin but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God listen you are a unique group of people you've been called out You've been chosen, you've been given life, and you're dead unto sin. But we've got to realize something. Your flesh ain't going away. We're trying to break into the greatest move of revival that this church has ever seen. But I'm going to tell you something right now. We don't have any pulpit police around here. We don't have anybody that's going to follow you around to be sure that you're doing everything that you need to do. Amen. In an army, every soldier has a role. 
in an army, every individual has a responsibility. God is calling this church to recognize and understand I've got a personal responsibility to carry out what God is calling this church to do. I'm not going to let somebody else take the bullet for me, but I'm going to be standing in the battle beside them. Now let me get to my sermon. That was a good introduction. Paul says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11 lets us understand that we've got to be fully suited, immersed, covered by this uniform of God's armor. The words above all give us the meaning that we, we are to be able to position faith over all the pieces of armor. Your faith is to be out front where it can cover everything that you face. A Roman soldier never went into battle without his sword. It was a guarantee that he could have some protection from the flying arrows and deadly darts the enemy would shoot at him. He never went into the battle without a shield. Your faith, your faith is so important tonight. Far too often I have seen saints lay down their faith and try to face the enemy of their soul without an active, vibrant, alive faith. Listen to this. Paul writes to Timothy. This is what he says. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou be that by thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Now let me tell you why your shield of faith is so important. Faith that gets put away will soon lead to a place of shipwreck. When you lay down your faith, you make yourself vulnerable to everything that hell can produce and everything that your flesh can produce. When you put down your faith, you make yourself vulnerable to the things of this world. And we must realize tonight that it is time for the church to pick up 
the shield of faith and walk into this battle afresh. Let me tell you a little bit about that shield. The shield that the Roman soldiers were equipped with was called a thurios. It was about the size of a door, and it even resembled a door. There were smaller shields that were round and were called aspis. But Paul didn't use that word here. He uses thurios, which is a large shield. The shield had a wood frame, and it had leather that had been sewn and then pulled very tight over the frame. And the soldier, everybody say, that's me. The soldier had the daily responsibility to anoint his shield with oil. Now remember what I said to you this morning. We've got to be able to stretch. The reason why he had to anoint the shield every day because it was a, it very important that that shield remain supple and resistant to the piercing attacks of the weapons that came from the battle. So in other words... When the enemy fired a dart or the enemy threw a spear, if the shield had been anointed, it would simply hit the shield and bounce away. But if the shield had been neglected and allowed to dry up and was not flexible, then it was possible for the shield to be penetrated and the soldier behind the shield to die. Are you getting where I'm going here right now? I want somebody to realize that God has given us the opportunity to pick up the shield of faith and not just on Wednesday, not just on Thursday, not just on Sunday morning and Sunday night, but every day when I wake up, I've got to pray for a fresh anointing. God, I need you to anoint my shield. I'm not going out into this battle without my shield. And I know that if the enemy fires anything at me, my shield will take care of it. A shield that had been neglected and not anointed on a regular basis would deteriorate and a soldier could lose his life. Oh, listen, I've heard, I've heard those stories. Pastor, I don't understand what's happened. I've been coming to church every service, but the enemy has got me down. The enemy has got me depressed. The enemy has got me cornered. Can I tell somebody? That's not possible if you've got a shielded anointing. 
said, well, but, but you, don't, you don't understand the kind of things that I'm facing in my life. I might not understand it, but I know this. The price has already been paid and there's nothing that catches God off guard. There's nothing that catches God by surprise. And if you have an anointed shield, if you have allowed God to anoint you on a daily basis, not taking for granted that he was going to do it, but in the morning when your feet hit the floor, the first thing that you do is say, God, I need your anointing in my life today I don't want to face any opposition without the anointing I don't want to face any opposition without my shield God I need you to go with me today say well Bishop that's all too simple and it sounds easy exactly exactly you see that shield that shield is representative of our faith it helps us to understand Paul wanted us to understand that it required frequent fresh anointings of the Holy Ghost listen there's not anybody here that will deny what I'm about to say there is nothing like a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost nothing like a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost you come in all bristled up and mad and angry and stiffened up and you come into the presence of the Lord and the Holy Ghost anointing falls in the house of God and it's just as though God just takes that stiffness and that rebellion and those difficulties that were in your life before you got here and he just softens them up and makes you to understand it really wasn't as big as you thought it was and it's certainly not bigger than me but what I need you to do is to keep your faith in me and trust me and know that I have given you a shielded anointing that will keep the enemy from being able to have access to you but I can't help you if you won't trust me. I can't help you if you won't release me to anoint you. You've got to be open. You've got to be open to my anointing. Faith that is ignored will always break. And fall to pieces during a confrontation with the enemy. You cannot go, listen to me right here, on the experiences of the past. They may provide fond memories and warm feelings. But you need a fresh, regular anointing of the Holy Ghost past camp meetings won't work past youth camps won't work prayer meetings from the past won't work old commitments won't work past victories won't be enough there is nothing like a fresh anointing that saturates your weary spirit. 
A.W. Tozer implored the church to maintain that fresh anointing. He preached a sermon one time on backsliding and said that there are things that take place when a man begins to backslide. He loses interest in communion with God. Let me just stop right there and tell you, God is not a convenience to you. God is not a pick me up and put me down whenever it's convenient. When you begin to backslide, look, folks don't backslide overnight. Folks don't just wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? When a man or a woman begins to backslide, they begin, there's some signs that you need to look at. They lose interest in communion with God. Look, I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care what you think your spiritual standing is tonight. You cannot survive and you will not win Without communion with God. You cannot make it without a prayer life. And secondly, they become bored with church. Talking about steps to backsliding now. They're embarrassed by the zeal that other Christians display. Oh, how in the world are they going to do that tonight? I brought somebody to church and Brother Haney's going to act up like that. Oh my goodness, did you see Brother Caleb run down to that altar and sprawl out over that altar? What in the world are folks going to think? Let me just let you in on a little something. There needs to be a whole lot more of that than there is of folks waiting for something to happen. There needs to be something that happens. Come on somebody. Oh my goodness, did you see that Annette back there dancing around in circles? How in the world is she going to act like that when I bring somebody to church? Hear me right now, when you begin to backslide, it'll embarrass you when folks start acting like apostolic. How in the world is Brother Jordan going to go to speaking in tongues when he's playing that keyboard? Don't you know that would confuse somebody? Listen to me right now. I'm telling you, when you begin to feel resistance, when the Spirit of God begins to move and it causes you to be embarrassed, the best thing you can do is get out of your seat, run to the altar, and pray through. You be seated. Here's a good one. When somebody begins to backslide, he assumes a critical spirit 
toward everything related to the kingdom of God. Come on. In case you're wondering, this is a little checkup. He has a tendency to become professional in his relationship with God. I know, I know we're supposed to be sophisticated. I know that we're supposed to be proper because we are trying to impress folk. But I'm going to tell you what I've been praying. I've been praying for God to put a holy roller spirit back in this church. Nobody does that anymore. I know. I know. Look, Brother Oliver, they already know all about us. They've heard about us Pentecostals. They've heard things that might not even be true, but they've heard them. Listen to me. I think it's time that the church of the living God quit being a disappointment. Come on. Listen to me. I believe it's time that we start being some aisle running, pew jumping, tongue talking. Come on, somebody. Oh, how many aisle running? Oh, how many times has Pastor told us you ought not let an old man run by himself? Come on, somebody. Some of you girls need to kick off them high heels. Come on. I'm talking about it's time for us not to wait for the battle to come to us. It's time for us to pick up the shield of faith that's been anointed and say, I'm going to shout if nobody else shouts. I'm going to worship if nobody else worships. I'm going to talk in tongues uh, if nobody else talks in tongues. Uh, I'm going to let God use me if God doesn't use anyone else. Let me finish. You can be seated. Here's a good one. When somebody starts to backslide, he gets tired of giving. And soon stops because it's become a mere habit for him. Watch this. I, I, I realize and understand taking a chance right here. But I want everybody, I don't even know how long it's been since we y'all started praying that prayer before offering. You started that while I was gone somewhere. Didn't even ask me. Now watch this, watch this, I'm fixing to show you something. I want everybody in this building to stand up that since we've started praying that prayer, some way, somehow, God has blessed you financially, physically, or spiritually. Come on, praise him right now. 
Ah, listen to me. When the devil starts whispering in your ear, you don't want to, you don't need to give to that church. You don't need to give to that ministry. You don't need to fund that mission. Come on, somebody. You need to tell the devil, listen, buddy. I want you to understand I've been given. I'm going to give and I'm going to keep giving. Because it's not about me. It's about his kingdom. And I want his kingdom to be blessed. You be seated. I'm finishing. Preachers can even be guilty of backsliding and not even be aware of it when they're just going through the motions. Uh, you're not going to help me. I, I realize this is a little transparent right here, but I'm going to tell you something. Preachers can backslide. How they do that? They no longer preach with conviction. They no longer preach what he used to preach in, in the past because he's embarrassed by his old heartfelt convictions. His prayer life has become functional and that of duty. His ministry's gotten far more social than it has spiritual. His schedule is filled with the insignificant instead of the magnificent. He no longer muses over the old hymns that resonate with deep theology. Come on, somebody. He no longer pursues unction and instead pursues eloquence. There has to be a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost in our spiritual walk. We cannot go into this battle with our shield of faith dried up, unanointed. You have a shielded anointing available to you, but you've got to make yourself available to the anointing in order for it to be poured out. Above all, Taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let, let, me, let me help you as I, as I hurry to a close here, but let me help you with something. At the moment you repented of your sins and you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And you were filled with the Holy Ghost. The devil put a bullseye on your back. And the enemy is doing everything that he can to try to wound you. To try to catch you off guard at a weak moment of faith. When you've let your faith down and you've made yourself vulnerable to his fiery darts. I won't take time to enumerate what those darts could be only to tell you that they are many and he knows where you are susceptible and he knows where you are weak 
and sadly he knows that because it's come out of your own mouth and you've told him where you're weak. Oh, somebody help me right now. I'm telling you that you have available to you protection from that. But I can't give it to you. Pastor can't give it to you. Your mama can't give it to you. Your daddy can't give it to you. you got to get in his presence and get it on your own. Warfare. Warfare in ancient times led soldiers to do one of two things with the arrows. First, they would take the arrows and dip them in pitch and set them on fire and shoot them at their enemies. When the burning arrow hit the target, the pitch would splatter the fire and ignite whatever was around it. Secondly, they would dip the arrow in a poisonous fluid of differing types so that it would poison the soldier when it hit. Please listen to me right here. I have seen much damage occur when somebody let down their faith and the enemy shot an arrow that was poison. Because the one that became poison, you see, the devil never designed any never designed for anybody to go down in sin alone. That's why he sent Eve to Adam. Now you not hear me. I want you to realize that when you let down your faith and the enemy fires the poisonous dart, it is not intended for you alone, but he wants to use you to spread the poison down the road, in the back of the church, in the front of the church, anywhere that you can to weaken the army. But somebody hear me. You have a shielded anointing tonight that will protect you from the fiery darts of the enemy and avoid you from being part of the destruction of a body of God that He wants to send a mighty move of His Spirit in. Listen to me. Listen to me. I've seen it and you've seen it and many of you have experienced it. When the church gets to a pitch of revival and God is moving in a mighty way and somebody gets offended, somebody catches the poisonous dart of the enemy and they begin to spread ill and evil among the people and it becomes divided and it tears down the army and we have to come back and build it again I'm pleading with you I'm pleading with you 
seek the anointing every day every day this church needs to go over the top it needs listen every time I walk the aisles of this church I pray for God to fill every seat with a soul and to fill it to overflow listen to me I pray that because I believe God's going to do that but it's not going to happen with just a few folks walking around with anointed shields of faith. The way it's going to happen is from front to back, from wall to wall. We make up our mind. I'm not going to let my shield dry up. I'm going to keep my shield anointed. I close with this. William Gurnall said, Temptation doth not fall on us as a ball of fire on ice or snow, but as a spark on tinder or as lightning on a thatched roof which presently is on a flame. Unquote. Hear me. The devil sends temptation that has fiery qualities about them. He will send temptations that try to draw us in. But we've got to become offensive and not defensive. We've got to let the devil know. There's no room for you in my world. There's no room for you in my family. There's no room for you to disrupt my prayer life. There's no room for you to disrupt my worship. There's no room for you to stop my anointing. I have a shielded anointing and God wants to keep pouring it out. And there is no room for you. Stand with me. Lift your hands everywhere right now. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to send out a warning here because I believe we're in a season in this church in which God's going to do great and powerful and mighty things but he would like to take some influential the enemy would like to take some influential people in this church and poison you with fiery darts I feel this in the Holy Ghost I want you to understand that God wants to use you for good and the enemy wants to use you for destruction and distraction. And I want to warn you, take care in becoming overconfident lest you fall. Don't think that everything's alright if you haven't made everything alright. Don't think that the anointing exists if you haven't sought for the anointing. you got to seek for it every day.
take care in knowing that the darts that he sends are swift and appear on us suddenly. Take care in understanding that the darts he shoots come from unexpected places. The errant words of a friend and the influence of a boss at work. Those arrows that are shot by the devil have a wounding and killing nature to them. I need to tell you the devil hates you. I said the devil hates you. He wants to destroy your soul to hell. But God's going to send you a shield and anointing every day. If you'll get in His presence, He will anoint you so that no weapon formed against you will prosper. I'm asking you to come right now. I want you to ask God to make your shield a quenching shield. To make your shield a quenching shield. What is that, Bishop? It's an anointed shield. It's been anointed by the Holy Ghost. And it's pliable. And it's stretchable. So that whatever the enemy fires at you, it will be sent back where it came from. Come on. I want you to send everything that hell has tried to send to you. I want you to send it back tonight. Send it back in the name of Jesus.